Well, I want us to take our Bibles tonight and turn our attention to John's Gospel, John chapter 10. I want to spend a little time this morning before our baptism time studying once again what we have been studying for quite some time. If you're visiting with us, we've been spending our time in our Sunday evenings in John's Gospel, and we have found ourselves this evening in John chapter 10. And all throughout our study of the Gospel of John, we've really been at awe as to who Jesus Christ is. Jesus Christ spoke like no other man ever spoke. Jesus Christ, as He was here on this earth, was the best preacher and the best teacher that could ever preach or could ever teach. Not one word that He ever said was grammatically wrong. Not one word that He ever spoke was theologically filled with error or even had any hint of error. Every time He shared the Gospel, it was perfectly orchestrated, perfectly stated in every way, and everything that He did was exact. What he claimed and he proved by his works were all true. Even the scribes and the Pharisees of his day recognized that Jesus Christ had wisdom beyond their comprehension, beyond what even they thought they understood. And Jesus had said to them that the one who hears his words and does them, is like the man who builds his house upon the rock. In other words, it is the words of Christ that are the solid rock and the foundation for all of life. There are no other words, there are no other ways, there are no other people, there are no other things that bring you to the place where you can find life. And so it is my desire tonight that everyone in this room, that everyone here tonight, everyone who has come as part of our church, friends, guests, family members from far away, it's my desire that each one of us have eternal life. And not enter into eternal condemnation, which John chapter 5 verse 29 says, that if you do not hear His words you in fact will enter into final and eternal condemnation. So let's get together to see what Jesus Christ said. That's what I want to do tonight. So if you're there in John chapter 10, I want to just begin by reading for us where we left off last time and start with the beginning of those verses, verse 22 in John 10 and read down through verse 30. John tells us at that time the Feast of Dedication took place at Jerusalem. It was winter and Jesus was walking in the temple in the portico of Solomon. The Jews therefore gathered around him and were saying to him, How long will you keep us in suspense? If you are the Christ, if you are the Messiah, tell us plainly. Jesus answered them, I told you, and you do not believe. The works that I do in my Father's name, these bear witness of me. But you do not believe, because you are not of my sheep. My sheep hear my voice, 
and I know them, and they follow me. And I give eternal life to them, and they shall never perish, and no one shall snatch them out of my hand. My Father, who has given them to me, is greater than all, and no one is able to snatch them out of the Father's hand. I and the Father are one. Of course, John tells us it was winter time in Jerusalem and there was a feast of dedication going on. The feast of dedication was an eight-day feast that was there to celebrate really the reclaiming of the temple. That was the, the idea that they had, the reclaiming of the temple from Antiochus Epiphanes who, who had desecrated the temple and under the liberation of Judas Maccabeus, the Jews had reclaimed it. And it was dedicated back to God under that time. So it was during this time that the Jews, this, this celebration time that the Jews surround Jesus Christ, the Jewish leaders in verse 24, and they say to him, how long will you keep us in suspense as to who you are? The implication, of course, in their question was that if he would just tell them exactly who he was, if he would tell them plainly who he really was, then they would actually believe upon him. In fact, the reason they weren't believing upon him, according to their own mindset, was because Jesus was just being confusing. So Jesus says to them in verse 25, I told you, you just don't believe. They had said, tell us plainly. The word plainly is used several times in the Gospel of John. But here, it means fully, visibly, without being hidden. Stop stop disguising who you really are with your words. And Jesus says, I did tell you. I did tell you. And isn't it interesting that he doesn't say, I did tell you plainly, or I did tell you clearly. He doesn't repeat their words to them. He doesn't use their words to them. He just simply says, I did tell you. In other words, verse 25 is the explanation for the plain reality of what he said and what he did. He even says this, I told you you didn't believe the works that I do. Implication, They are speaking loud and clear. I do them in my Father's name. They bear witness of me. In other words, Jesus said what he said and everything he did was a witness to the people, is a witness to all of us, to the fact that he is, in fact, the promised Messiah. It is as clear as it can get. As we learned last Lord's Day in our study of this, to ask for more proof from Jesus Christ as to who He is so that you might believe is the height of idolatry and pride. No one could be more clear to who He is as God. God is clear as to who He is. Jesus is saying it's clear if you would just believe it. The crowds are unwilling to believe. They didn't want to believe in Jesus Christ. Two times Jesus says, you do not believe. And the reason was the same then as it is today as to why some 
refuse to believe upon Jesus Christ as their Savior. It's not a primary lack of clarity. It's not a primary lack of worthy testimony concerning Jesus Christ. The reason some don't believe is simply because there is a deeply rooted spiritual unwillingness to love Jesus Christ as they ought. The chief hindrance to faith is not that Jesus' claims are obscure or not because His claims are insufficient by way of their information to answer all the questions we might have. The reason is that people love their own glory rather than the glory of God seen in Jesus Christ. I think it's important for us to hear the words of Jesus Christ from John chapter 5, verse 44. It seems like so long ago we were in that chapter, but here is what John said. How can you believe, these are the words of Jesus, how can you believe when you seek glory from one another and do not seek the glory that comes only from God. Speaking to the religious leaders as they were going around seeking the honor of men, he said, how can you believe in me when all you want is your own glory? You're so blinded by your own self-willfulness. And Jesus' whole point was that the problem with the Pharisees And the reason why any person refuses to believe today is not that they don't have the right or sufficient information about Jesus Christ. Just open the Scriptures. Is that they were not. They they were filled with an overflowing self-love. The Apostle Paul said to the Believers in Ephesus in Ephesians chapter 4 verse 18, you are darkened in your understanding, excluded from the life of God. This is prior to salvation. He says you are darkened in your understanding, excluded from the life of God. Why? Because of the ignorance that is in you. Now, it's not ignorance of unknowing. It's ignorance of a refusal to know. Why? Because of the hardness of your heart, it says. You see, there's an innate aversion. There's a there's a, a a dead soul aversion to spiritual things. Those spiritual things, that deadness has such a tight grip upon our heart when we're an unbeliever that we will not believe. The affections of man are so completely enslaving. That the things of this world that Jesus says in Luke, they're so enslaving that 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 which is of the world, Jesus says, even if someone rises from the dead, they won't believe. Luke chapter 16, verse 3. So then for man, it is not a problem of knowing something. It's a problem of what they love. All of this is implied in what Jesus says here in John chapter 10 and verse 26. You do not believe, get this, because you are not of my sheep. Now I want us to listen very carefully to what our Lord says. You are not of my sheep. Notice he does not say, 
You are not my sheep because you do not believe. You notice he doesn't say that. He says, you do not believe because you are not of my sheep. It's very intentional phraseology there. If you flipped it around, that would put out the basis of, of salvation wholly and solely upon stuff that we could do and bring to the table. And yet here in verse 26, God gives us the Word and He flips it all the way around and He says, the reason you don't believe is because you are not a sheep. In other words, something must happen to you before you will ever believe. gives you, when that happens, a willingness to hear the shepherd and follow the shepherd. So from the standpoint of all eternity, there are really only two kinds of people. There are those who are the sheep and those who are not sheep. There is no middle ground. There is no partial sheep. There is no transformation from part of a sheep to a whole sheep. This is not just a matter of mere semantics. This is not just a matter of, well, you say it's defined this way, we say it's defined that way. No, that's not what this is, and I'll tell you why. Because although it is true that his sheep always come to believe upon him, it is not adequate to define the sheep simply as those who profess him. You understand what I'm saying? Here's why I say that. Look at verse 27 again. Verse 27, he says, My sheep hear my voice. You can stop right there. Right here, Jesus Christ delineates the character of true sheep. This is the character of His own sheep. And the first quality He says is, They hear my voice. Back in John chapter 5, verse 24, Jesus said, He that hears My Word and believes on Him that sent Me has eternal life. You hear the words of Jesus Christ, you believe God sent Him as the Savior of the world, you have eternal life. That's what Jesus says. Now I want us to notice that in John 5, 24, in that verse I just quoted to us, it does not say, will have eternal life, but rather it says, has eternal life. That means that hearing and believing, biblically speaking, imply the same thing. And the proof of one having eternal life is the fact that they will and do believe the words of Christ. They believe what Jesus says. Jesus clearly taught us that in order to believe, you must already be one of His sheep. My sheep hear My voice. Pharisees, you don't believe because you are not of My sheep. Notice back in verse 16 when he was talking to them about being the good shepherd because they were false shepherds. In verse 16 he says, I have other sheep 
which are not of this fold. And remember I told you that was Judaism. They're not of Judaism. I have other sheep who are outside of Judaism. Isn't it interesting? Here he is talking about those who are his, and yet these people potentially hadn't even heard the gospel yet. They were his sheep. And here he says, you're not one of mine. You don't believe because you're not one of mine. My sheep believe. Being his sheep is why anybody believes. And so we cannot say that people are numbered among the sheep just because they make some kind of profession. You know as well as I, the evangelical church is full of people who say they believe in Jesus Christ. They have made some kind of intellectual assent to the things of Jesus, but they are not sheep at all. They have not truly believed. They are just those who profess Jesus. There's no inward reality. Maybe it was a profession mixed with some kind of emotion. Sometimes we attach salvation and belief to emotion. Somebody cried when they prayed. or Somebody had an emotional kind of euphoric experience. And so we, they go away thinking that that in itself proves that they are saved. And so they start to go to church. For some time they seem to do well and then the newness wears off and the initial enthusiasm decreases and the next thing you know their life is being lived just like the world lives. For a time they had rehabilitated themselves. For a time they looked good. For a time it seemed as if maybe it was real but they never truly repented, never truly believed in the Son of God and they proved that they were never real believers at all. You see, no matter what people profess, no matter what people say with their mouth, if they do not hear the voice of Jesus Christ, then they are not His sheep. Hearing and believing. Synonymous realities here. My sheep believe my voice. So the first quality is that. The second quality, though, here is this. True sheep follow their master. True sheep follow their master. Of all his sheep, Jesus says, I know them and they follow me. Verse 27. I love this statement. I love this statement, especially when it is held up in contrast with Statements in other places where Jesus speaks of judgment upon those who profess to know Him, like Matthew chapter 7. Matthew chapter 7, verse 21, here's what it says. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but he who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. Jesus says, He that does the will of my Father. That's an obedience phrase. That's a phrase of of outward activity. And we need to stop there for a moment just to think about this because the Bible teaches that there is no one who is saved by doing. You cannot get to heaven by doing things and stacking up a a pile of so-called human righteousness. It will never work. No one is justified by works. 
The Bible says we are saved by grace through faith. Faith. What does Jesus mean when He says, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven? These people say they know Him. They say they're believing Him. Well, we first have to remember Ephesians 2, right? Ephesians 2, for by grace we're saved through faith and not that not of ourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast. You see, it's all of God. It's all of His grace. It's all of Him gifting us the reality and the essence and the faith to believe. Then Paul adds this, for we are His workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works which He created beforehand that we should walk in them. You see, so the good works, the the works of righteousness don't come before salvation in order to achieve some kind of justification before God. They come after faith, which is a gift by God through grace. clear from Paul's words that our works have nothing to do with us attaining eternal life at all. However, it's also clear that no one has eternal life if there's no manifestation of obedient works in his life. Matthew 7 says, The people say to Christ, Did we not prophesy in your name? Did we not cast out demons in your name and in your name perform many miracles? And those frightening words of Matthew 7, 23, I will declare to them, I never knew you. Of course, Jesus is speaking of the day of judgment, the coming day of judgment, and Jesus will never say to anyone in that day, I used to know you, but now I don't. He's not going to say to someone in that day, "I, I don't know you anymore, As if I used to know you then, and now I don't know you. No, he says, I never knew you. I never had an intimate relationship in any kind of way with you, regardless of what you're professing. But in John 10, verse 27, he says, I know my own. I know them. Jesus Christ has an intimate relationship with each of His sheep. But His sheep cannot and His sheep will not desire to escape. Those who do not know Christ do not hear His voice and they are not known by Christ in any kind of intimate relationship. Third, it says they follow me. They follow me. In other words, there's no use professing to be one of Jesus Christ's sheep. There's no use professing to believe as if you have a relationship with God the Father if you will not follow Christ. If your life is not a reflection of of following after Jesus Christ, of obedience to the things of Christ, and obedience to the words of Christ, then there's no use in professing to know Him. 
It's a characteristic of the sheep from the words of Jesus Christ that they not only hear His voice, but they also follow Him. That means obey. Obey what He says. Do what He says. In the days when the Puritans preached, it was the habit of many preachers to describe these characteristics as the marks of Christ's sheep. In those days, there were all kinds of sheep herds and other kinds of herds, and it was necessary that you mark your animals with certain markings, right? We hear of that today. Now it's tags in the ears and things like that. But back then, they would brand their cattle. And sheep, it was often done by cutting a small part of their ear. They would cut a little chunk out of the ear. Well, the Puritans said, each of Christ's sheep have a double mark, one on his ear and one on his foot. The mark on his ear is that he hears Christ. The mark on his foot is that he follows Christ. What a vivid picture of what is true of all of Christ's actual sheep. When we think of it that way, it causes us to ask ourselves the question, do I hear? Am I following? And as you think of your own life, how many times have you heard the Word of God? Either through your own study or in some kind of class or preached from a pulpit. But you did not follow. Or you just turned off the voice. Those who are Christ hear Christ. And they follow Him. These are indicting words to the Pharisees. These are indicting words to those who who had heard His teaching, who knew the prophecies of the Old Testament, who spoke of the things of Christ, and Christ was a fulfillment of all of those things. And yet here He is standing right in front of them, speaking to them, and they say, tell us plainly who you are. Nothing could be more crystal clear. I always think about Paul's warning to the Corinthian church. Don't presume about your relationship with Jesus Christ. He said this in 2 Corinthians 13, verse 5. Test yourselves. See if you're in the faith. Examine yourselves. You go, why, why would Paul say that? Why would Paul say that after writing the letter, 1 Corinthians, calling them saints? Why would he say, test yourselves. See if you're in the faith. Because when you read through the epistle, 2 Corinthians, they're, they're living as if they're not in the faith. They're living like the world. They're not living according to the Spirit. They're living according to the flesh. Here's how Jesus says it in the Gospels. If you love Me, you will what? Keep My commandments. There's one last characteristic that I want to touch on this evening, and it's this. Jesus' sheep hear His voice. Jesus intimately knows them. Jesus' sheep follow Him There's one last characteristic I want to talk about. And it's just this. Christ's sheep are always completely secure. They're always secure. Notice what he says in verse 28 to 30. 
He says, they follow me and I give eternal life to them. And they shall never perish. And no one shall snatch them out of my hand. My Father who has given them to me is greater than all. And no one is able to snatch them out of the Father's hand. I and the Father are one. I love that because these are comforting words for those who are His. These are Jesus' sheep. He gives them eternal life. And in that eternal life, there is this reality of a never-perishing reality. No one can remove them from eternal life. No one can snatch them out of the hand who is protecting them. No one can take you from God. Not even you. Not even you. He gives them eternal life. If you've ever had a question as to the eternal security of the believer, that verse should nail it right down. No one can snatch them out of the hand of the Father What great descriptive words. Jesus says the life we get is eternal. It's not some type of probationary probationary life. It's, It's not just for 90 days. It's not some type of temporary life. It's eternal life. And eternal life begins at the moment we are given faith. You realize that? Eternal life is not some future event. If you know Jesus Christ by faith, it started the day you came to know Christ by faith. It's not future. Eternal life doesn't begin later, it begins now. And it continues forever. Continues forever. That means that those who truly believe will never perish and no one and no thing can snatch them from the protective hand of God. I often have the opportunity to talk to folks who struggle with the reality of an eternal security because they're so weighed down with their own sinfulness and their own guilt and the struggles that take place because they're trying to manufacture and conjure up some kind of idea with which they can earn justification before God. And the weight of all of that is just bearing down upon them. How could in, in the world could I be saved eternally if one day I feel like, like I have a good relationship with God and then the next moment I, I feel like, man, I, I might be condemned because of my sin. It weighs so heavy to me. Here's what I say to you. Give it to Christ. Repent and rest in Christ and His righteousness alone because you have none that will ever satisfy a holy God. Once that happens with you, your eyes will be so opened, you'll say, wow, I didn't get myself into this. God did. And there's only one who could take me out. God. And God says He never will. You see, it doesn't matter how much information you have. 
What God has given you is enough. We don't need more information. The reason some don't believe is simply because you choose not to. You refuse. But once you're His, you have eternal life. And it can and will not ever be taken from you. And understanding that, because of who God is, you see, there's no one greater than the Father. My Father who has given them to me, verse 29, is greater than all. Once you understand that the reason you're secure is because there is nobody greater than God. God is the one who saves you and God is the one who keeps you. And there's no one greater than Him. And that then, that understanding should affect every minute of every day, of every week, of every year that God allows you to remain on this world, earth as a minister of reconciliation to everybody else that you're to share the gospel with. Nothing can remove you from the salvation that is found in Christ alone. Jesus says to the Pharisees, listen guys, you think think that your righteousness is good enough. I've already told you plainly who I am. My works clearly have demonstrated and bore witness to the fact of who I am. You know why you don't believe? For this one simple fact, you are not of my sheep. I was thinking about that tonight as I was driving here, thinking about the frightening reality of those words to someone who isn't saved. Someone who says, well, how do I know if I'm one of the sheep or not? How do I know? Beg for mercy. Beg for mercy upon a holy God who is a merciful God. Believe what He says. And when He saves your soul, you'll know. You'll know. Why are we secure? Why are we secure? Because there's no one greater than God. And no one's able to snatch them out of the Father's hand. And then Jesus says these stunning words once again, I and the Father are one. Why are we secure? Because God is the supremely great one and Christ and the Father are co-equal. They are one. Christ says, I and the Father are one. He doesn't say the Father and me are one. If Christ was subservient to the Father, it might be said like that. But he says, I and the Father are one. There's no subservience in the Godhead. God the Father, God the Son, God the Spirit are all co-equals. Because nothing is greater than the Godhead, then nothing can remove us from their care. You see, for those who hear the voice of Jesus and follow Him, the grand reward is intimacy with Jesus Christ, the personal care of Christ, the protection of Christ, and the reality of eternal life, never, never out of His care. It's not for this life only that we have hoped in Him. Because all those who believe upon Him have eternal life. So our life, our joy has purpose. 
not only for this age, but will last for all eternity. So God says that his action in Christ is perfectly clear. What he did through Jesus Christ, what Jesus Christ did as the incarnate Son of God here on this earth is perfectly clear. So much so that there is no excuse for not believing. No excuse. So today, right here, right now, the hand of God holds out the way of salvation. And if you reply, I cannot see it. I will not hear it. Maybe proof that you are not God's sheep. His sheep hear His voice. He knows them personally. And they obey Him. And it's to them and them only that He gives eternal life. An eternal life that can never be lost. What's my prayer tonight as we hear the testimony of our our candidate for baptism is that very reality. Nothing could be sweeter than going away from here tonight knowing that everyone here has a relationship with the Savior. And we're not just professors, but we are indeed possessors of Jesus Christ. Amen? Let's pray together. Father, thank you again for our time tonight. We trust that this opportunity has been an honor to you, a blessing to your people here. Lord, in a group this size, we're we're certainly not naive to believe that everyone here actually knows you. That would be our hope. That certainly would be our great desire. But surely, even in this group, there are some who have not repented. Some who believe that their life is good enough. Some who would even try to say that they're okay with God without a relationship with Jesus Christ. And Lord, we would ask that You would convict their hearts, cause them to to turn their hearts away from foolish pride and actually embrace Jesus Christ. Open their ears to hear, their eyes to see. Lord, we pray that they are your sheep. For we know that they will hear the gospel and they will follow you. So thank you for these words. May they be a motivator in our life to tell others about Christ and that which will bring new life to those who have heard this maybe for the first time. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.